There are stars in the southern sky Southward as you go There is moonlight and moss in the trees I'm just parachuted in to high above 107 Columbia Street with both eyes on uptown downtown Albany. Welcome to this week's edition of the Nipty Practice Tips. We're glad to be back from our trip and hope that you are all enjoying the sunny weather that we are now experiencing here in Albany. This week we're going to be discussing one of our areas of Significant Speedy Trial Issues, the Significant Seven. So let's get started. When calculating the amount of time that is chargeable to the people, be sure not to overlook the following seven situations where the time should not be charged to the people. While speedy trial calculations are often department-centric, there are core issues that are consistent throughout the state when examined in the context of the Court of Appeals decisions. Of course, it is imperative to be familiar with the case law from your department to assure you make the record required by your department's appellate division, as well as using your appellate division's cases to support your positions in responding to defendants' speedy trial motions to dismiss. Number one, excludable time pursuant to CPL 3030 subdivision four does not require the people to have been previously or presently announcing their readiness. While this may seem obvious, ADAs will often overlook the fact that the list of situations where the time will not be charged to the people found in the subdivisions of CPL 3030 subdivision 4 does not require the people to have previously stated ready for trial nor stated ready on the calendar date in question. The statute itself is written, quote, in computing the time within which the people must be ready for trial pursuant to subdivisions 1 and 2, the following periods must be excluded. Despite this clear language, there is a misconception that the basis for excludable time found in 3030 subdivision 4 is applicable only after the people have announced their readiness. This interpretation is not accurate. Please be sure to see the case, for example, of People v. Cambridge, a First Department case from 1996, where the court wrote, since defense counsel's actions triggered one of the statutory exclusions, which applies when the people are otherwise unable to proceed to trial, the people's unreadiness was irrelevant. Another clear example is found in the case of People v. Mears. In this case, the court wrote, the court properly denied defendant's speedy trial motion. We reject defendant's assertion that all of the time between the declaration of the mistrial at defendant's first trial and the commencement of the second trial was chargeable to the people because they never declared their readiness. On the contrary, adjournments necessitated by trial counsel's numerous absences and by defendant's trial on other charges were excludable. The case goes on to cite other examples of the defense creating the delay. Number two, pursuant to CPL 3034D, excludable time resulting from a co-defendant's actions also makes that time excludable for all the other joined defendants. 
CPL 3034D provides that any reasonable period of delay when the defendant is joined for trial with a co-defendant as to whom the time for trial pursuant to this section has not run and good cause is not shown for granting a severance must be excluded from the computation of the time within which the people must be ready for trial. Under this provision, when a defendant who has not moved for severance is being jointly tried with a co-defendant whose time for trial has not yet elapsed, any reasonable periods of time that are excludable as to the co-defendants are excludable as to the defendant as well. This is a quote from the case of People v. Chrysler, a third department case from 2017. Another example is found in the case of People v. Del Valle from 1999, in which the defendant was joined with another defendant. The co-defendant requested that there be an adjournment for his client to consider a plea offer made by the people. This time was excludable as to both defendants, not just the one considering the plea offer. Number three, as long as the people act with due diligence, the time for collecting and testing for a possible match of the defendant's DNA and that found at this crime scene is excludable pursuant to the Exceptional Circumstances Subdivision 3034G. For the court to properly find this time excludable, you must be sure the record reflects that your motion for a DNA sample for the defendant and your efforts to have the testing performed was done in a timely and diligent fashion. As was written by the court, Trial court correctly concluded that the delays occasioned by the necessity of obtaining blood and saliva samples from the defendant and his two co-defendants, performing the genetic tests, and obtaining the written results of these analyses were exceptional circumstances within the meaning of 3034GI. Under this provision, the unavailability of the DNA test results can be considered exceptional circumstances so long as the people exercise due diligence to obtain the results. As the second department wrote in the case of People v. Williams, the trial court correctly concluded that the delays occasioned by the necessity of obtaining blood and saliva samples from the defendant and his two co-defendants performing the genetic tests and obtaining the written results of these analyses were exceptional circumstances within the meaning of CPL 3034GI. In the case of People v. Gonzalez, a first department case, however, the court wrote, under this provision, the unavailability of DNA test results can be considered an exceptional circumstance so long as the people exercise due diligence to obtain the results. In this case, the people did not move to compel a DNA sample from the defendant until March of 2014, almost 10 months after his arrest. It is the responsibility of the people to be cognizant of the progress of the particular case. Number four. Time during which the people's motions are pending are excludable, just as the time is when the defendant's motions are pending, including the time for the court's decision. Motions relating to the defendant are not chargeable to the people, whether made by the defense or the people. In most cases, the people are not required to be ready to proceed the day the court renders its decision on a motion to suppress. For example, see People v. Davis, a First Department case from 2011. The people are also not charged with any time that results from adjournments for the court to consider the motion and render a decision. See People v. Worley, a Court of Appeals decision from 1984. In the case of People v. Kelly from 2006, the court properly denied defendants' motion to dismiss the indictment pursuant to 3030. 
The sole period at issue on the motion was a 43-day period during which the people's motion to consolidate the indictments were pending, and that period was plainly excludable pursuant to 3030 subdivision 4, irrespective of the people's readiness. Number 5. Once the people are in a post-readiness posture, they are only charged with the period of time they request for an adjournment. Thus, any additional time requested by the defense will not be charged to the people. See, for example, People v. Cortez, a Court of Appeals decision from 1992. However, when you have not yet stated your readiness, your request for a two-week adjournment, for example, that winds up being a month-long adjournment, will be charged to you in its totality. Therefore, if during that month you become ready, it is incumbent upon you to file a notice of readiness at the first possible time to prevent all of that time being charged to you. Take a look at the case of People v. Barden, a Court of Appeals decision from 2016. Number six, there are circumstances where the time charged is reset to zero. See CPL 3035A. These include when a defendant withdraws a plea, when a defendant is to be retried due to a mistrial after trial has commenced, for example, if there's a hung jury, or a mistrial for any other reason where there is no prejudice to the people, or when a new trial is ordered from an appeal or a collateral attack. Take a look at the case from the Court of Appeals in 2002, People v. Smietana. Now, what we may overlook in this fact pattern for resetting of the speedy trial clock is jeopardy does not have to have attached before the clock can be set to zero. So once the jury selection has commenced, it has been held that the clock resets to zero. Take a look at the case of Brackley v. Donnelly, a second department case all the way back in 1976. Number seven, when the people have filed a notice of readiness off calendar, and then on the next calendar day answer not ready. The burden is still on the defense to show the statement of readiness was illusory. Please see the case of People v. Brown, Young, and Canaday from the Court of Appeals in 2016. In that decision, the court wrote, We hold that such a statement is presumed truthful and accurate, a presumption that can be rebutted by a defendant's demonstration that the people were not, in fact, ready at the time the statement was filed. If the people announce that they are not ready after having filed an off-calendar statement of readiness and the defendant challenges such statement at a calendar call in a CPL 3030 motion or both, the people must establish a valid reason for their change in readiness status to ensure that a sufficient record is made for the court to determine whether the delay is excludable. The defendant then bears the ultimate burden of demonstrating, based on the people's proffered reasons and other relevant circumstances, that the prior statement of readiness was illusory. We decline to adopt a rule requiring the people to establish the exceptional facts or circumstances arose after they filed their off-calendar statement of readiness, causing their present unreadiness for trial. Such a rule ignores our holdings, placing the ultimate burden on the defendant in the post-readiness context to show that delay should be charged to the people. The best practice is for the people when in this situation is to include with the statement of not ready at the calendar call a reason why your position has changed from the date you filed the notice of readiness. 
Making such a record is equally appropriate when you have stated not ready at a calendar call and request a two-week adjournment, and then file a notice of readiness three days after the adjournment. In that notice, you should include an explanation as to what has changed from the day you requested two weeks. This will often happen when you are on trial with a different case and it ends with a plea shortly after the calendar call on the speedy trial case, or in a situation where a missing witness is found shortly after the adjournment is requested. Please be sure to review the numerous memos on speedy trial issues that appear in the PE. Our thanks as always to our crack producer and man about town, Jonathan Marconi Crispino. To all of you out there, be well and stay ready, my friends. There is a taste of time, sweet and honey, down the sand.